0: following is a production of the event safety alliance
1: hello and welcome back to the event safety podcast i'm steve edelman
2: and i'm danielle hernandez this week we're going to talk about learning and training and resources for event safety professionals So as you guys probably know, the ESA has always talked about learning and keeping abreast of what's going on and what hazards there are and how we can address them. You could say that you can become a leader by learning and you can be a safety leader, even if you're not the head of the call, just by learning things and knowing what's going on. So we are again joined by Ken Kerley, the safety and training manager at Rhino Staging, and we are really excited. So Ken, start us off.
0: Cool. Thanks for having me. Um, one of the things that's always been near and dear to the event Safety Alliance's heart is the idea of dissemination of knowledge, getting people pointed in the right direction. Uh, it's been one of the tenets from, from minute one. How do we develop not only the safety leaders, but build the awareness? And because our world is so widespread, you know, telling somebody that, that you do safety you got to be more specific. There are so many paths to go through. You know, safety in one event uh, can be crowd management. Safety at another event can be the structural event of putting up a big stadium show.
2: It right? could be pyro. So, could be
0: pyro, right? Could be the laser safety officer. It could be a million things depending on how widespread um, our industry is. What's in your world today? And that's why lifelong learning is so critical to us developing that safety culture. We want safety professionals who are curious, well-informed, up to speed on what they need to know, and are in a position to not only take that information, but to communicate it effectively to their people, um, and also being able to point their people to to the right resources at the right time.
2: And it's fun, because there's always something new to learn. You go to a new job site, you go to a new gig, there's always... You know, somebody brings something off the truck you've never seen before. You're like, hey, what's this? Tell me all about it. Uh, When I first started, I didn't realize how much I was going to learn about HVAC systems. I never thought that my life would revolve so much around industrial HVAC. Um, But it's very relevant to the building and it's very relevant to safety. And now I can self-diagnose problems at my house. Yay!
1: (laughs) I mean, think about how much we all know about, you know, cleaning and disinfecting and, you know, sanitary practices and the transmission of aerosolized droplets holy crap, this is no time to be incurious about the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now everyone knows what PPE is. Yeah. And that face coverings are not PPE, by
0: the way, because they're not. They're not. We, we get that. But, yeah, that's the whole idea is that's been our mission. And, and the ESA has taken um, some real leadership roles in, in helping create both a learning culture and, and the, the takeaway of any learning culture – is, is to to put people around you you may not have all the answers but knowing who the right people are that do have the answers right who's your phone a friend who's the smart guy in the room and are they willing to take a phone call at three in the morning <laughs> right
2: i, I yeah. have i have called people at two o'clock in the morning and said this well, happened smart. help
0: <laughs> so creating that that one, the baseline of knowledge. Secondly, that practical application of what I need to know. And then that that organic, that network of where are my resources? How do I put those together? What do they turn into day-to-day? How does it help me uh, ask a better question? The more you know, the better question you're going to ask.
2: Yeah. So, so understanding what our problem is, is the first place to get to that question. Yeah. So
0: I, I, one guy I steal a lot of stuff from. Because he's dead, is Buckminster Fuller? He's still dead, right? So he he, he said something early in his career. He says, "Any problem adequately stated is a problem well on its way to being solved." That is both concise and clever. (laughs) He was that kind of guy, and yet still (laughs) dead. So much sadness. Anyhow, that kind of defines your approach to problem solving. It turns out from what are we? Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? To okay, let's break that down. What is the real problem? The real problem is, and, and it can be taking it to, a, you know, going way down the rabbit hole to how did this get this way? To how critical is it for me to solve this problem in the next 10 minutes with what I have in front of me? Okay.
2: Yeah. So, so, so going down that rabbit hole... You know, and and realizing that not one person can possibly know everything. In the theater world, there are days where you're learning about plumbing because somebody's bringing in or wants to do a rain effect on stage. So there are a whole bunch of safety things that go along with making water on stage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. Making it rain on stage, you know, and, and figuring out where those resources are and what to learn. So that you can do that and have it be cool and not be dangerous.
0: Yeah, because that's what we want to do. Um, There's this whole concept, and and the way I kind of break it down: organized learning is cool, right? Well, if you walk into a uh, a, a 10,000 square foot building and you have nothing but books stacked up and down horribly, and you can't read the spines and you don't know where anything is, that's a disorganized resource, right? It was a library after an earthquake. You don't want that.
2: No, it's discouraging.
0: You you know, if you think of learning as how does the library work? Well, you go through the door, you hang a right to nonfiction, you hang a left to fiction. Who do I want to go? I want to find, you know, by the author's name or then the Dewey Decimal System. Whatever it is, you break down your knowledge in an organized way and you maintain that organization so you can access it. Keeping an organized learning system is critical. Hey, I know a guy, where's his number? I don't know. It's on a business card that might be in the debt, you know, in the ashtray. Am I, right? we don't know but if you can access the information that's critical to be, to having an efficient method of, of bringing those answers to your fingertips so organizing your learning is a okay. lot okay
2: so so how would we how would we go about organizing some of these resources Well,
0: so, uh, and, and everybody has their own thing what works for me is i have a lot of resources around because a lot of people ask me stuff that frankly i don't know but i know where to find it so for a lot of us, you know, we go to school, we leave school whenever. That's our formal learning. Or we want to go take another course. That's formal learning, right? So we have this little silo of, that's the course I took. I can reach that notebook, we'll find whatever that is, whether it's a school, a trade school, a manufacturer seminar, an ESA workshop, whatever. We've got that. We've got that nice formal, there they are, and then you take it a step further than that. Is, is you come up with your practical knowledge. What have I learned on the job today, right? That cheat sheet you figured out, right? Now you know in your building, if you need to have a, a rain effect for next time, you know that here's my drains in the building. They're 47 feet apart. They're four inches around. This is how much water flow I can get through that.
2: Yeah, okay. this is the surface so, I need to gutter it wherever it's supposed exactly. to go. So you've got your
0: formal that says, this is what I left school understanding about a theater that I'm not allowed to flood the theater, right?
2: Yeah, they right. they kind of cover that. Flooding yeah. Flooding whatever your venue is, is, is unless it's 100% it's on purpose. So if it's not if, O, if, probably if it's not head, on
0: purpose. If, yeah, exactly. If the headliner is Noah, double think. Right? <laughs> we <laughs> right? need so a bigger the, boat. <laughs> exactly. So then you go to your practical side, and that's where you figure out everything, and you've got your little notebook for next time. If I ever see a show, whether it's, you know, oh, or anything else. If I need to flood my theater, this is how I'm going to take care of it. Now I've got my my practical knowledge. And then you kind of build this organic network. Who do I know at that one point in time? You're talking to the building engineer, says, Oh, yeah, by the way, no, that's not what the blueprint says. This is what we really changed into the building when we remodeled it in 83. Who's going to be in your organic network next time? I'm calling the plumber that's been in the building.
2: I'm, I'm calling the the person that manufactured the gear in the first place who knows how it's supposed to go together so that I can modify it if I need to, that kind of thing.
0: Yes. And that organic network is critical for our field because we have all this tribal knowledge that's been scattered everywhere. And part of the ESA's mission from day one is to get as many people in the room that know what they're talking about and start taking notes. Right? Yeah. When that, when the first book was written, it wasn't written by pulling an existing code off the shelf, although that was part of it. We had the formal education. But most of us could reach back into our tribal knowledge, our organic network, we said, who knows that part? Here you go. Could you take a look at this? So the organic knowledge, once you start encapsulating it, either at the personal level, I know a guy, I'm going to ask mom whatever it looks like in your world, leads to practical knowledge, which eventually becomes formalized, right? Sort of like what Richard Nix talked about last week, how codes and standards become evolved. Can can
1: I, let's see if we can put a practical example on this. So in in the world of COVID-19, one of the issues that keeps coming up that I personally don't know the answer to is, how do you keep mics clean for performers? And My standard answer, and I don't know if this is right, my standard answer is you should follow the manufacturer's instructions. And if you don't have them, you should contact whoever you got that piece of equipment from or the rental house where you're renting it to see if there is manufacturer's guidance. I guess, Ken, my question is, can you triage the the means by which you would acquire knowledge of something where you don't know? Is there some, you know, some appropriate order that people should be following? Or is it just, you know,
0: do whatever you can no, it's not when you can? Well, think about it this way. A fire is a pretty stressful, very high dynamic situation, right? Yes. But there are protocols <laughs> for putting out a fire because it's been learned over ages. Right. We know this. We fire has been our friend for people. But exactly your point, Steve, how are we going to do X, Y, Z in our world? What is the sanitation methods? Well, then we don't go. We go, OK, sanitize Mike. Perfect. Manufacturer's guidance. Perfect. You do that with every piece of equipment because every every manufacturer, whether it's of a chemical or a product, issues their guidance, has care and use guidance. You pick up a saw, it's going to say where you're PPE. So there's guidance at that very practical level. And then there's applied knowledge.
2: So I've seen some things coming out specifically about microphones in terms of, uh, I guess we'd call it a combination organic and practical for people that are coming back in and they're doing things like, Making a microphone only be one person, making sure no one touches it, you know, little things to that same thing to control interaction with the microphone. And sure. this is just an example, you know, so those, those would be things that people are picking up from each other organically and practically as on the job trying to mitigate the risk.
0: Right. And then that also becomes part of the combined knowledge, which becomes industrial standards, which comes the custom Right. Custom is a big word in, in the evolution of, of a trade. It's not in the regulations that says do we this, but the regulation says this is how we're going to achieve this. We know a person who shares the knowledge, it evolves into practical knowledge. Then in ten years down the road, there's gonna be in, in every theater program in the world, there's gonna be a discussion about, by the way, sanitation in the workplace, hygiene in the workplace. It's evolution of knowledge, but it starts at being able to analyze the problem before you. What is my issue? How do I state this question better? So the practical application is daily, we're solving problems with our baseline of knowledge, whether it's formal, practical, or organic, and people are being taken care of in a much better way.
1: So can you focused a couple of times on the importance of framing the question correctly. And, you know, the W. Buckminster Fuller line is a good one. Um, I I happen to agree with that. It's really hard to solve a problem until you've identified the problem. Is there some methodology that is recognized to be a good way or some source that will help people who are, I don't know, scattered or just can't frame a question well right now? Um, Is there some guidance that you would point them to? And I'm really hoping the answer is yes, because candidly, I'm dealing right now in my life with several people who just can't figure out what they mean. And so they send these emails that they say things and it's as if they're asking for comments, but it's not clear what the hell they're actually talking about. So I don't know whether it requires a response and being me, I respond, and I probably shouldn't. So,
2: <laughs> so there's a lot of words. That's what you're saying. You're yeah, getting a lot of words. words. <laughs> Are they the best words?
0: <laughs> no, they're not the best <laughs> words. Stop! Stop! There's a question in there. Yes. there. Yeah. I think I figured it out. How He's do we guidance ask? Guidance about how to find asking question better questions. Yeah. Um. Actually, there is, and and um, a lot of it goes to whatever discipline you're in. If you're in manufacturing, you're going to learn to phrase the, the failures of, a, of a, a machine. You're going to know what are the critical paths to failure, and then you start working back from there. In other words, by, um, as, as we ask these questions, what is our outcome? Phrase it you know, like we talked about it a couple episodes ago. What's the worst that can happen, and how can I fix that? How can I avoid that? So ask yourself that question. What problem am I trying to solve? If we build a nice long list, a nice straight line, and then start taking all these fish bones off of it, I can I can do my process failure analysis that way. There's a lot of ways to do this, but it comes down to the individual being able to be organized enough in their thought pattern. Uh, there, there, there's a, a, a phrase I don't like sloppy thinkers, right? <laughs> so no, it, and what, what that means is if you're not willing to invest the time to think through the problem you're not going to be efficient in your acquisition of knowledge, and and therefore the acquisition of the solution. So the idea is, can you discipline them to think? No, can you give them the tools to think appropriately? They're out there. Again, start with that nice linear progression. How am I trying to get there? What are the paths along that, you know? So, So is the right starting question,
1: what problem am I trying to solve? Absolutely. Because what I'm trying to do is kind of put signposts in the road here. So the ultimate question, then, is what problem am I trying to solve? Because then, and I, I, I'm going to want you to say yes, because then we can build in at some point my lawyerly risk management question, which is what could go wrong?
0: Sure. But here but your, your sign points. Once you've established how we're going to get there, what, what our end, zo- end goal is, then you can start breaking out the factors that can affect it, whether it's the human factor, where's the environmental factor, uh, whether it's the nature of the hazard, man, method, machine, whatever. You start breaking it out, and then it becomes a disciplined approach to problem solving based on knowledge acquisition and a correctly phrased question. You know, the, the path that we go down, is, is it has to be efficient. We don't have time to think otherwise. We don't have time for sloppy thinkers in our world right now.
2: So going back to what you'd said about formal resources, such as uh, ESAT, the event safety access training, or an OSHA class, or school, all of those are more general. Like they're they're not solving a specific problem. They're basically helping you identify problems and well,
0: giving yes. you a foundation. In, in other words... Um, I know something's wrong, but if I hadn't taken this class, I hadn't realized that I do have a set of resources that I can rely on now that I understand what my abilities are to identify a hazard. If I understand the basics of of industrial hygiene from an OSHA 10 class, I understand that inhalation, ingestion, absorption, methods of things springing into your body. But now I'm on the job and I've identified a specific hazard, then I can look up safety data sheet on a material. Then it leads me to my direct answer of what PPE is required to work with this. You can only use this in a well-ventilated area. Please don't smoke when you're using this chemical. Whatever it is, my direct immediate actions are based on the fact that I can acquire practical knowledge, but I've been given a general baseline of hazard recognition and remediation. Perfect. Build on each other. And that's then, part of
2: why I've taken a lot of OSHA classes because I can't remember all that data the first time or the third time.
0: You're not supposed to. It's in the it's in the book. You can get I know. To it.
2: So so dear gentle listeners, if you are wondering what some of the things we're talking about right now, uh, Google safety data sheet and pick a product. Pick a laundry detergent and pull up the safety data sheet or something you have in your house, and you'll understand sort of what we're talking about. It's yeah, 16
0: it, points. It's it's a universal global standard. It'll tell you what the chemical is, what it's supposed to look like, what your PPE is, what
2: happens if you spill it. What well, right? first aid right. you should use. Right. The
0: first first aid the, should you should use. There
1: is a materials safety data sheet, the MSDS. So it was the,
2: renamed. To One SDS. Mm-hmm.
1: So now it's just SCS? Now it's just SDS. Yes. Wow. So good for you guys for correcting me because I always learned it as MSDS.
2: Well, for those of us in buildings, we had to update all of our MSDS to SDS. <laughs> So it got well, sort of pounded. The, out.
0: Reason, the reason they did this, and this is a good sign for the future, MSDS was a U.S. practice. SDS is part of the global harmonized system. So when we decided that we were going to make every chemical data sheet look, good, look the same around the world, that's what we did. And then we retrained people, and every chemical data sheet, safety data sheet can be pulled up. It's out there. But this is a progression of us establishing not only our formal baselines, but understanding there's practical applications for this.
2: Yep. So we just just take two, two boxes. We've talked about how you learn that there's a safety data sheet. Then we talked about knowing where to get it and what it's for. So hopefully we have got a great example for you guys listening today.
1: And there's your, your, you know, podcast trivia for the weekend. Not that you're (laughs) going to see anybody this weekend, but well, Maybe next weekend or sometime in the future.
2: Maybe you're doing right? online pub trivia.
0: But but it's the exact same thing. There's a progression of knowledge. And then knowledge is, is it, it may start out tribal. Maybe some guy in, in some amazing engineer in a room, she goes, hey, by the way, if I put these two together, this is going to be the outcome. And it makes things much better. But then it becomes documented. And then it becomes, works into the standard, et cetera. Human knowledge is not a static thing. Neither should your learning be. Yeah, because right? how no matter- boring would it be if it was always all the same? it's there's this this is and i tell people if they're thinking about about a career in safety i look at them i go are you curious enough for this job you have to be curious you have to be compassionate you have to be this is a caring profession safety is a caring profession but if you're not curious enough to access the knowledge on on a ongoing basis uh you will not be in the best position to take care of your people because information changes
2: So, and we're not just talking about specifically event learning. We're talking about learning as all sorts of things. So let's, let's just give people a, we're going to round robin and and everybody's going to list a couple of books that you've read or other resources that, that have inspired you or changed the way that you've thought about things. And I'm going to start, I have two with me today. Uh, One is called uh, The Unthinkable by Amanda Ripley. And it's about who survives disasters and why. And it, it really is a great way to think uh, about those topics because a lot of times things happen really fast in the event industry and, and knowing how people are going to react is really, really useful. And the second one, and this one I found was a really fascinating read, was the checklist manifesto. By Atul Gawande, and it's not at all about the event industry. It's mostly about airlines and pilots, and and how complicated it is to fly a plane. Which I believe that, um, but it's it talks <laughs> about how you can how you organize your thoughts and how you make sure you don't skip something, and how it, the checklist doesn't have to be long and complicated but how important it is and how they're incorporating checklists in the medical profession to help mitigate errors there. And it's really changed the way I think about things, not just at work, but like grocery shopping. It's really, really a great read. So, Steve, what you got?
1: Well, I, I have I have a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well um. pick a couple. <laughs>
1: Yeah. um, So I I have a whole collection of what I have referred to and giving credit to Tim Roberts of the Event Safety Shop in the UK, um, who taught me the term disaster porn. Um, (laughs) So I I have several shells of historical accounts of disasters, you know, so starting with a storm in Galveston, Texas. Maybe we should um, add this to the the podcast notes. You know, I'll, I'll give a whole list of disaster porn. Um, my personal favorites are The Unthinkable, which I teach to my law students, and also um, on Baralick's Killer Show, Baralick, B-A-R-Y-L-I-C-K. Killer Show is about the station nightclub fire in West Warwick, Rhode Island, um, in 2003. Um, that book changed it, my life. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant book. John Barolick is a good man. We have met him personally. He was actually the Event Safety Summit's very first keynote speaker ever. In fact, he did it so well that we've never had another keynote speaker because really no one could follow in his footsteps. Um, but he's, he's a true gentleman lawyer, and his book is heartbreaking and brilliant and readable and yeah i mean to a yeah. significant degree changed the way i think about the practice of law and and how lawsuits should work
2: it also makes me think about how seemingly unrelated things in a show environment can just all come together and cause just absolute horror now i don't run a nightclub i don't at this point in my life i don't really go to a lot of nightclubs uh, even if it wasn't a pandemic uh, but it really changed how I thought about risks at shows that I go to, at shows that I'm working. It it really, I couldn't recommend that book higher. Yeah. So
0: so the extension of that is, it's a brilliant study that he did. The, the station nightclub fire is a seminal thing that's to, that I've taught in every OSHA 10 class because fire safety is a required element of that course, both 10 and 30. So we look at the station nightclub fire as well. And then I've had people tell me that when they walk into a building, it changed their approach. So all those things, again, that's a progression from a formal study to tribal knowledge or whatever it is to changing people's behavior which is the ultimate outcome of all learning, right? Is to have an impact on behavior. so
2: Preferably a positive one. Well, certainly.
0: <laughs> but I, let's not think about life in other terms so, than positive improvement, right? So that same kind of, that, that progression is what's so critical to us is building a learning culture in our industry. Being able to take it from the classroom to the job and not necessarily a nightclub, but as you said, build an awareness of fire hazards. Teaching, okay, you're just going to, you're going to look around. You're going to, you're going to walk the exit door, exit route when you check into the hotel. So, These are are huge. These are big steps forward, but it just defines the path, which is a big part of what we're trying to do, is define a path forward for people in the the event industry.
2: Steve, did you have any others that you wanted to add that were top of mind? There's so many. (laughs) Yeah, there there
0: are so many.
1: I I literally just picked up my phone, and I'm going to take a picture of the spines of my disaster porn collection. That'll be faster than and listing them
2: all yeah and probably more interesting all right friends check the show notes we've got some great ideas there all right ken you're up what would you so, recommend to our listening audience
0: what books well i've got a lot of the same books but i also have um a real wide background on on general knowledge right? i
2: love general so, knowledge so, so for example
0: h- historical incidents like that um General sciences, approaches to things, um, things that are seemingly unrelated, but when you put them in context, they leave very particular roles, uh, paths forward for people. So here's an example. I've got a strange little book on the shelf called Defining the Wind, which was a creation of the British Admiralty in the 19th century of its creation was called the Beaufort Scale, right, which is a very arcane little piece of knowledge it says if you look at your environment, you can tell what the wind is doing. So, bear with me. It says if the, if the waves are behaving this way, this is what we think the wind should be about. So, Beaufort scale was done, and then the, the British Army said, "Well, let's take the same approach and put it on land." And they said, "Okay, if a flag does this, this is the wind you can expect. If the trees are moving thusly, this is the wind that you can expect." Bear with me. This is great. yeah. So, sounds so like
2: this sounds like situational story. awareness for wind.
0: Well it is, and that really matters to us. So a few years ago at Super Bowl, I got a call from this from this young man. Great great guy. He said, Look, man, we're up here, we're putting stuff in the air. They're up on a scissor lift. And I, he said, it's blowing like like crazy up here. And the tent guys have their wind gauge on the ground, and they're telling us it's only 10 miles an hour and it's all in our imagination. So I said, Okay. Your, your lift has a wind limit on it, right? He goes, yeah. I said, what is it? He says, 24 miles an hour. And I said, cool. I said, wherever you're at, take your phone out. Take a picture of anything around you. If there's a flag on the top of that tent, great. I want to see what that flag is doing. He sent that to me. I took a picture of the Beaufort scale, sent it back to him. It said clearly that the wind, at the best estimation, is twenty-eight miles an hour. I said, "Get off the desk. lift. <laughs> Get down. You're done for the day until the wind changes." So that's a, a very practical a, application of taking care of people based on an arcane piece of, you know, seemingly arcane piece of knowledge.
2: I'm totally so, googling so, that when we're done.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, be ready because Buford was a crazy cat. I mean, he was just yeah. Anyhow. So there's this information that you don't know how it's going to apply until you need it, right? Which yeah. is one of the most interesting things about our world. We w- live in an unpredictable world.
2: Well, right? in and the, the event industry, we are always doing things, we're, we're inventing things, we're innovating, we're, we're using things in a way they weren't originally intended and we're combining Absolutely. many different things, which is how you can learn about plumbing and welding and electrical and crowd management and rigging and, HVAC and random factoid number 75 and just continue to incorporate new things all the time, but trying to go to school for all those things before you'd never get to work.
0: (laughs) Well, you can, you know, again, we're we're stealing quotes from dead people. You know, the craft is so long, life's so short and the craft's so long to learn. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Actually, one of the things I really, really like about, live events is that it's always different and there's always something new.
0: Exactly. Um, and, and the next one's going to be better because what you learned today.
2: Yeah. So when we talk about practical resources, so we had three, three, three categories of resources, formal, practical, and organic. So We're going to dig into practical for a second. Um, in, in the notes that you gave me ahead of time, you, what I liked is you had things like instruction books, rigging manuals, sketches you made, the phone number of the best pizza place, uh, which I associate pizza with work. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um.
0: I'm just going Gus's 24-hour delivery. If you know a 24-hour pizza place, that's golden on most gigs. You just got to know that.
2: So, so it's it would be the industry tech pack, the the, the venue tech pack, the rider, perhaps. Sure, sure. Uh, any of this knowledge, right? You don't throw don't throw information away, right? Oh, yeah, you right. take notes from your, your stage manager show report, if, right. if you have a stage manager making a show report. Very helpful.
0: Yeah, and, and then that, so the practical knowledge can be whatever you need at hand. And sometimes it's situational, and sometimes it's time sensitive. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, how good Sometimes it you is have
2: the, time to look it up when you read it in the writer of the show advance. Sometimes right. it sometimes, just comes in the door.
0: <laughs> sure. The, you know, the smartest guy in, in the industry just happened to walk into the room and, and have coffee with you at, 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 at a summit or whatever. You don't know. That's that that knowledge. Again, it's situational. It's based on what's my problem to solve right now. And, yeah. and this goes back to Steve's original question. When people are asking better questions, frame it in terms of time. What can I solve today? But yet, what's going to happen if I don't solve this in 20 minutes? Right? We're in a time sensitive industry. The show's gonna start. Door, you know, doors at seven, show at eight. Whatever it is, we have a timeline. So when you ask that better question, put in the timeline, because that prioritizes you and keeps you from wasting your time. I don't have time to think about that right now. That's what I have to fix. So we not only do we do do we Ask better questions, but there always has to be a time element, right? And that will help you ask those questions. It'll help you frame a better question and it'll help define your actions in an efficient manner. Knowledge is knowledge, but if it isn't transferred to action, it doesn't take care of people. Bookshelves are great, and a lot of people buy them just to decorate their offices behind them, but it's like, <laughs> really? You ever pulled that thing off the room? No, I mean, seriously, people saying, no, <laughs> like, or, and should I take it? that personally? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you know, there must be a household of learned people it's like no because they never opened the book right <laughs> but it, who is it that said there's no difference between a person who, who can't read and a person who won't read you have to access the knowledge and more importantly for us in, in our world we have to transfer that knowledge to action right that's the only way you take care of the people it's the only way we're going to make our industry better right we're transferring things to action that's a uh, buck, mr fuller we're talking about books that change your change your life. I uh, wrote a book in 1972, and the title was I Seem to Be a Verb.
2: <laughs> I seem to be a verb.
0: I seem to be a verb. Huh. And and I and, and I read that and it was one of the most impactful statements ever. Okay, so you have was, to tell us what that means, Ken. What it, what it means is you can be certainly a person, place, or thing. You're, you're a noun, but if you're going to be something, someone who's impactful in our industry, in your life, in your community, in your family, or whatever. That you're in action. You're in action. So to
1: Edelman, something presumably will mean something someday, somehow?
0: I seem to be a verb. You're a person of action. You've proven that by your activities, not only in this industry, but but in others as well. You're a person. You, so that's why our knowledge has to be taken and made into action. If we seem to be verbs, if we look like people of action, then change will be effective.
2: I think 2020 is going to be a verb.
0: 2020 is definitely going to be a verb,
2: but it's going to be a... Or a cuss word.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be like snafu. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is. But anyhow, that was one of the statements that I read early in my life, and I went, that's a path forward, is I want to be a verb. So the only one I can think of right now, sorry, now I'm fixated on this, is
1: (laughs) to to MacGyver something.
0: Yeah. I mean, MacGyver became a verb, right? Because what that means, and we all know what that means, it means you're taking, you're analyzing the problem, you're taking this, the materials at hand, you're affecting a solution. MacGyver is a verb. Some day, Apollo 13, when they threw everything on, on the table, they said, This is what we have to work with. But then they also had the formal knowledge of one guy running the simulations to find out what the power requirements were. They took situational knowledge. They had a defined timeline based on oxygen capacity and CO2 uptake. So those are all perfect examples of taking all this knowledge, formal, practical, and and, and organic, bringing it together to affect a well-stated problem within a timeline.
2: So since we're already talking about people being verbs, our last category of resource is organic, which is basically people so yeah. so let let's talk about where we can find our group of organic well people are basically sure. organic anyway but yes, um <laughs> so so maybe we should uh literally, literally you know, where, where we can where can we find these people
0: i, I would at the I would event
2: safety with,
0: <laughs> right sure because any place there's a network of people that know stuff right right that's what we do who knows what i know and it doesn't have to be someone, it doesn't have to be good. I can only talk to them because they have a master's in structural engineering that I need. Wait a second, maybe talk to the guy who, who knows more that welded it, right? So that organic thing, again, it's a flexible network, but there's a network. You know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, you always hear that expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's, right. that's nonsense. It's who knows what you know. That's what matters. Who can I call? Who's my phone friend if, you know, if you want to make a million bucks or whatever?
2: All right, so So, this seems like a perfect place for me to plug. If you guys have a question, this is your reminder. You can email us at info at eventsafetyalliance.org. And if you put podcast question in the subject line, it helps it get to us faster. So we can be one of your organic phone-to-friend resources. Ken, what are some other ones? So one
0: of the things that that we've done, and and this is something that Jacob's worked on uh, real heavily, is we want to establish... uh, a a a path forward for people to develop their networks to 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 take all this knowledge and instead of going what do I need to know to go like, okay here's a path this is how we create this ladder of knowledge and how does that knowledge transfer into a career path so one of the the, the projects we've worked on I think this conversation is going on a year old, a old now and and uh, again Jacob and I've had amazing conversations on this is start establishing a educational path for event safety professionals based on their formal development, their practical experience, and um, whether it's being a certification or whatever. So when an event says, I need a person who can do this, we go, okay, we know what that looks like. And, and, and we, we kind of simplified it. We basically broke it into uh, four or five levels, you know, and, and we're, we're still ironing a couple things out, but it's like, here, if you're a new event safety professional, These are the expectations of knowledge. This is where you can acquire it, right? And then we move people up. This is how you get more knowledge. This is how you do bigger events. This is the next level of that training. Mm -hmm. So the presumption being in the future is as events, particularly, you know, and I'm presuming we're, we're, we're in the United States, we can go, okay, OSHA 10, OSHA 30. Perfect. We have other things. So we work that up as we give people a way forward based on their knowledge acquisition, their practical experience, and they do that by, by taking all these resources, the formal, the practical, the organic knowledge, and building themselves a career forward. So, so that's kind of the outcome of this, is there is a way forward, but it's based on knowledge acquisition and and, and experience acquisition.
2: So a couple of those other organic resources that people may not necessarily identify Uh, I would include um, theatrical installers, the people that put the gear in. Um, Sometimes you come into a place and and it's been there a while, but typically those people are still a fabulous resource, even if you weren't the purchasing person. So uh, manufacturers, installers, the person who worked in the room before you. Anybody
0: that knows more than you do. And more importantly, once you acquire that knowledge, it
2: doesn't end with you. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. It's always good to, to write it down for the next person who comes in the room. because you And, want to and be, and be available
0: to them. If you have the world's best spaghetti sauce recipe, don't take it to your grave.
2: Oh, right? now I want spaghetti.
0: Write it, <laughs> write it down and pass on anything you know. And that's been part of what the event safety guide did. That's what a lot of what standards do. That's what a lot of people do just by being the person that somebody can call. You expand knowledge. James Smithson said it. That's why he gave us the Smithsonian and opened the doors. He said, here, I want you all to figure this out based on what I know. So the knowledge doesn't, the learning doesn't end. More importantly, the the dissemination of that knowledge, passing it on, never ever ends in our industry. And that's how we're going to make stuff better.
2: So event safety friends out in the world, contact us if you've got questions, find your friends, look for them on LinkedIn. Use this time when many of us are having some time off, paid or otherwise. Try to, you know, take the time to learn everything you ever wanted to uh, from Google on LED lights or find find another training resource. Something that makes you a better safety leader when you get back to work. Because we will get back to work. Um, Can I say something else nice about uh, about Jacob? Uh, Yes, we we like to give Jacob shout outs. um, We're... Halfway
0: through the first OSHA 10 class that the ESA is put online, we've got another 10 class. And yesterday we just got approved to do an OSHA 30 live online. We call it synchronous real-time learning. So anyhow, that class will be starting in, in August, and it will be 10 weeks, three hours a week, so very manageable time commitment. So um, anyhow, these are all things that that Jacob, being a verb, <laughs> Taking up, upon himself that, that we're moving forward. So there you go. That, that was like the last nice thing I'll say about him. So there you go.
2: So in, in, uh, in other announcements before we wrap up, uh, we have started a, the Event Safety Podcast Instagram. We're going to put some of those book resources up there. Feel free to interact with us there. Share what you're reading and, and what, well, as long as it's PG. Uh <laughs> Share, share what you're reading, and uh, maybe we'll get a great recommendation from you, too. Um, Ken, what is that? Ken, it's all Ken, That glare. is the Lego
1: movie book, and I don't think that's going to make the ESA Goodreads
0: list. <laughs> make your own Lego movies? What a way to teach. Come on. Oh, make your own
2: Provision. Lego movie. Exactly. Oh.
0: exactly. Right? <laughs> uh, if you have a simple, you know, how to do a video. Right, people And
2: you can right. share the knowledge with other people. So maybe it will make our, our, our list.
0: <laughs> whatever it, whatever you can do to make it easier on the next person, that is your duty. Ken, you are the coolest OSHA 10 instructor ever. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it in the barlow. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I want to thank Ken very much for joining us again today. I've enjoyed our conversation. Uh, thank you, everyone, out in the world, and please stay safe.